The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special bonus episode of Miami Nice with your host, Katie Walsh. Hello, Katie. Hi. And of course, myself, Blake Howard. Why we're doing this very special bonus episode is we're taking a flight. We're going from the steamy Florida into the glorious, I mean, feels like museum-preserved, beautiful Tokyo that we find ourselves in in the latest series that Michael Mann, yes, that's right, Michael Mann is back and is producing the JT Rogers created Tokyo Vice. No relation, but funnily enough, named this um, as a completely separate novel by Jake Adelstein, whose book on the 1990s and being a reporter uh, and reporting on the actions of the Yakuza is the basis for this. So this is a very special bonus episode of us called Tokyo Nice, where we're going to unpack the entire series as part of the Miami Nice podcast, because this is the horny Michael Mann <laughs> modern campfire uh, yes. for all modern man stuff. So it feels only appropriate for us to dive in. So Katie, had you heard of this series? When did we hear about it together? I just wanted to quickly track that before we dive into episode one. Gosh, I mean... I remember when they had announced it. Was it like a year or a year and a half ago? About a year, a year and a half ago, I think, is when we were starting to talk about it. But I remember- Yeah, it feels like it came up really quickly. Like the, there was a trailer and then suddenly it was like, it's premiering in a month. And I was like, whoa, this is super exciting. So when had you first heard of it? In 2019, in one of the times that I was trying to talk to Mr. Michael Mann, he was traveling from Japan. He was in Tokyo. Mm, okay. And, and so the series has been, uh, you know, percolating since kind of like 2019. And and so I remember that there may have been like a preliminary scouting meeting or a preliminary something that was he was in Southeast Asia. And I don't know if it was for a variety of other projects, but I certainly remember when this was starting to manifest. I was like, oh, maybe that was Tokyo Vice. Maybe that was him being enlisted because it's such a – a, a huge undertaking, which we're going to talk about. So I reckon it was about then, but, but as soon as you hear like Tokyo Vice, it's going to be Michael Mann. You're like, Oh my God, please tell me he's doing the, um, the, the Carrie Joshi Fukunaga thing where he's going to, he's going to do the whole series. I'm like, Oh my God, please be like a true detective where it's just like all oh, man. Um, but 
these are like 57, 58, 55 minute HBO Max episodes. We're almost getting a, a complete movie and mm-hmm. all of the money is on screen and it's none of, no digital photography, none of this non-location nonsense. It is literally a, a series that has like taken up like a year of everyone in the production's yeah. lives to move them to Japan to work every day to do this entire series, mostly shot on location with the difficulties of navigating that in another country. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I think we heard about it back then and we've been talking about it and it almost feels like, I don't know if this is like really lame to say, but it's like, it almost feels like I couldn't believe it. Like I couldn't believe <laughs> that like we're finally getting new. I know Man. it's finally new TV. It's like, Oh my God. Like, put it into my veins so i know that some of the folks who are listening in australia you're gonna have to you're you're kind of gonna have to be at the mercy of the vpn to get your hands on it but for all of our american listeners if you've got hbo max the first two episodes are out now or three episodes i believe um are out now on hbo max katie and i have seen the first five this episode we're going to talk exclusively the test, which is directed by Michael Mann, which is written by JT Rogers, who is the show creator, um, who who enlisted Michael Mann to kind of help him orchestrate the look of the show, the feel of the show, the texture, the immersive nature of the show. Um, but uh, let's get started on Tokyo Nice. You wish to be a crime reporter in Japan. Why? You think because you're a foreigner, the roads are different? You like busting my balls, huh? It is the great joy of my life. Giving up and going home is not an option. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And let me guess, this is how you recruit a cop. With information, everything you do has consequences. There is always a cost. Jake, this is Sato. He's not as brooding as he seems. What's it like to be a Yakuza? I could write about that. Yes, but then I'd have to kill you. ジャブンヤキラーレテル。優秀な新聞記者は敵が多いってことですね。敵の稲男は男じゃねえ。ワー。ワンスピーオープンアドア。it is very hard to close. Shinikiriyanka. Don't write about this. American journalist Jake Adelstein relocates to Tokyo and he joins a major Japanese newspaper as their first foreign reporter. It is set in the late 90s and the beginning of his job and the beginning of this episode, the test, is truly 
just about immersion and initiation. He comes into this foreign culture. He is absolutely an expat. Jake Adelson is played by Ansel Elgort, who in more ways than one physically is yeah. six foot four. He towers over his fellow Japanese population. He completely sticks out like a sore thumb, but he is such an immersed character. He's immersed in their culture. He's doing uh, you know, he's doing different Japanese martial arts. He's living in the communities um, that that are depicted. He's an English language teacher. He's dedicated on a level that I don't think I've ever seen Ansel Elgort as both an actor and a character. And we truly get to see through the eyes as our gateway uh, of this foreigner, really the inner workings of all of the power structures of Tokyo. Yeah. So I, I, I had such a blast just preliminarily. I've got so many things to talk to you about, Katie. But right. this first episode, I was just I was just drinking in Michael Mann's film language. <laughs> you know me, so you know how much I would have got and it's, out of this. It's extremely Michael Mann. Like I could see his stamp all over it. As you know, I love to talk about the, the wonky close-ups of later <laughs> of Modern Man, and there's so many of them in in this episode, uh, which I think are great. And you can tell that a, a lot of times he's using these close-ups for to signify that a character is watching or observing something. So we're kind of right there at eye level with them. And so Jake, as an outsider, you know, for many different reasons, and I, I actually think Ansel Elgort, you know, I was very skeptical about about the casting. Thing, but he's perfect in this role because he does stick out so much like a sore thumb that um you know he's so tall he's got this floppy hair and he's just very distinctive within the landscape of tokyo um but it is um so efficient that he michael mann packs in so much information into this episode he sets up the world we're in, who Jake is, and um, sort of the conflict, and then the story that this journalist is going to follow for the entire course of the series. So I just love there's like an opening sequence where we just it's almost all dialogue free, or there's not a lot of dialogue, where we just find out who Jake is. He's studying, he's a teacher, he's doing martial arts, he's going to the club, he's got this tiny little apartment, and we just know exactly who he is within like 10 minutes. I also love that it opens with a framing device that's sort of like a flashback um, from two years after. So the, the series takes place in 1999 and there's this like framing flashback structure starting in 2001. And it just gives it that noir aspect. So there's so much going on and um, it, it, it draws you in immediately. And it, it kind of starts like Miami Vice. Like it throws you into this. Yes sort of um sting or you know discussion with the yakuza where um ansel and ken watanabe are like suiting up putting on body armor roxana shout out <laughs> um, but it's like it just starts and you're like wait it, it's starting so it's exactly like miami vice in that michael mann thing where it starts in motion um and you just sort of get swept along with the current I, one of my favorite series of all time, TV series, is Damages. And I think Damages probably did this, you know, uh, as far as like American television shows, like did this kind of noir framing device and made the show the noir framing device, like took you into the bowels of like the climactic episode, the climactic scene, and like eked out that information and tweaked and changed your perspective on it all the way to the end of the series. 
I think man does a more traditional noir thing here and it's interesting to hear him talk about movies like pale flower and post-war japanese movies you know post-war japanese noir films um uh, to to sort of t- talk about how he was framing like observing life as it's happening deep within a genre film and um or deep within genre films rather a whole oeuvre of movies and what i really liked about this is because ken watsonabe is like he is like Ansel Elgort is like the thing that people have been going. I'm not sure, but right. hearing Ken Watanabe and Michael Mann together, I'm like, oh my god, just <laughs> yep. give me right now, <laughs> like give me yes. ten movies where he's working with Ken. And so you're so excited when that when that happens at the beginning of the film, um, or that happens at the beginning of this 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 episode. It's it's so good because it actually anchors you in. And I think really shows you the emphasis gap of just how much time we're going to cover and how much experience we're going to cover. Like this, this guy is confident, cool, collected, walking into a den of Yakuza who are basically saying, if you say this story about our boss, you know, the implication is that you're going to die. And him then coolly sort of like, do you mind if I have a cigarette and consider it? And you're like, the guy that we then meet in this, you know, kind of like, submersion into this culture is not that guy and he couldn't right. be like further from that guy he's and mm-hmm. even like multiple episodes in you're like this guy's a dork and this kind of, <laughs> suits his, kind of suits his personality right he's a little bit out of touch he's a little bit off out of step he's a little bit behind the eight ball um in many many ways and so i think that that was a great framing device for me and then you get in and just michael mann's visual shorthand of how mm-hmm. to reinforce messages without using any dialogue and this is such a carefully calibrated film about language because language is culture so the fact that ansel um and and all of uh, the the different people around rachel keller um rika kikuchi who who's like in the mm-hmm. film as well like she's so amazing amazing multilingual korean and japanese in the film the way that these people demonstrate their culture through their language um is is something that is a massive undercurrent of this and and really shows the gaps in the systems but there are just multiple shots in this which anyone who's listening would know why they're like my two favorite shots of maybe the whole first five episodes so far it's 1990s we see two things happen we see jake adelson he goes for a test to get into the Meicho, um which is a renamed you know tokyo's uh, renamed uh, largest newspaper he goes in there uh, once he's been accepted, once he's passed the test and passed his interview, and he walks in and the camera does the, the exact same track, left to right, he's walking into a newsroom. You see the chaos of a newsroom happening, the hubbub. Even though it's very chaotic, it's also like this chaotic order. It's a great contradiction. And then not two minutes later, after everyone gets the crime beat, which is a truism of like all journalists. Um, shout out to Maria Lewis, who's my dear friend, prodigious journalist at the Gold Coast. Yep. Her first job, ambulance chaser, like going out there, yep. doing the worst beat in the world on the Gold Coast. And the Gold Coast is an entire town that is soiled. Um, so uh, imagining <laughs> all of the, uh, the, the dark things that she got to see as a, an emerging mm-hmm. journalist. But then there's another shot, chaos order tracking beautifully um, this beautiful, like hybridized steady cam shot versus track. And then the very next thing is Ansel walking through a police station and mm-hmm. that police station shot echoes that same orderly chaos. Like these are, these are our lines. There is this sort of chaotic hubbub, but there's very much the lines and the precision 
of what each of those systems and how they work together, they just feel like they're, they're harmonizing completely. The chaos is harm, it harmonized with the police. The police chaos is harmonized with the journalists. They are in step. And I just love that. I could watch that loop of those two shots and know my yep. man's thinking after studying his work so much over and over and going, of course, a police station and of course, a newsroom are going to be two things that I'm so deeply affected yep. and affinity for and just watching the way that he is talking about it in and they are in lockstep in this show is one of the great conflicts that I think that he sees. He's like, he's Jake is looking at both of these spaces and rather than seeing that more idealized American version of journalism or maybe Western idea of journalism as like this, this truth teller, this, this light that gets cast on these systems and, and, and reveals things that are in the public interest, they're in lockstep. And yeah, I think that's a great way to start the series. And he's just shorthand of that for me was just like probably one of my highlights of that very first episode. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, so much about Michael Mann films is like an individual within a system trying to achieve their own goals. Um, and so we see the ways in which um, Jake is, is trying to make his way in the newspaper, the way he tries to sort of penetrate the police force and that the very specific Japanese cultural um, approach to reporting news. And, and like, you know, he, he goes to this um, press conference and they're like, this is what we say. We're not answering any questions. You're just going to get our piece of paper. This is just report what's on the piece of paper. And then he gets yelled at by one of his editors for writing that someone was murdered. And the guy's like, if the police didn't say he was murdered, <laughs> then that didn't happen. And then he goes out for drinks with this amazing sort of like rogue vice cop. He's like the Colin Farrell of Tokyo. <laughs> He's the Sonny Crockett. Miyamoto, who's so hot. Oh my God, that actor is so hot. Um, um, Mi Miyamoto's hotness is only matched by how hilarious he's like willing to drag Jake along to places if he teaches him how to pick up hot, hot, yes, um, said, hot, do, hot foreign do you know women. How to, do you know how to pick up gaijin women? Which gaijin means <laughs> foreigner in... in um, in japan but <laughs> he he um he's like there's no murder in japan and you know ansel or jake who's coming from america is just like i don't understand i don't understand why i can't say this person was murdered or this person did this and it's like all about the language and the systems and then there's also a third system in place which he's adjacent to in this episode which is the yakuza and it closes, the episode closes with this amazing sake ritual um, with one of the Yakuza gangs and, and this young guy who's up and coming in, in that organization as Sato. well. So he's one of the main characters of the series. He's absolutely yes. fantastic. Um, is is uh, uh, Sho Katsumotsu, uh, Kazumotsu is the actor. He is a magnetic actor yeah he's extra i think i think shout out to our friend again roxana hadadi talked about like his like young michael corleone level of hotness um i think was one of her <laughs> describing ways of putting him and he's yeah he's definitely in that quandary and that um uh, according to the watch with chris ryan who did a great interview with michael mann they basically got the real guy this is a michael mannism that people are going to love they got the real guy who does those ceremonies to do a pretend ceremony for two hours and then they cut. Oh my. They cut the official <sighs> two hour sake ceremony 
into the 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 condensed version that we see that cli- you know, that forms the climax of the movie um as uh, a climax of this i want to call it a movie because it feels like a movie it feels it like it feels very, like a movie it it's like, like an hour long movie yes. and it's there's so much going on in it So there's that, but also I think to underscore what you're talking about, which is like Jake's lack of understanding of how there can be any murder in Japan and and those things is like, there's a very much, there's like a peace, there's a peacekeeping ethos that you can see underneath, which is like, we're not saying that there are any murders because we don't want to like jeopardize public safety. We don't want to scare anyone to say that there are, there is a murder and we have a mechanism to keep the peace because the biggest thing that we fear in this time in Japan is like, gang warfare spilling into the streets and causing a widespread panic. So we're not saying anything is a murder unless it's a murder until we get a conviction. We just have a death and this is how we're going to report and this is how you're going to speak about it. But there's two things I want to say on that. First is another of just the most artfully, spectacularly directed parts of the entire series, which is the formal introduction to Ken Watanabe's character, Katagiri, who, when he's walking into the first crime scene. So there's this yep. great, again, Michael Mann movies. There's a guy lying dead with a freaking tiny katana stuck in his chest. And there's, <laughs> it's there's, a pretty big katana. Yeah, there's a morning, there's a morning trains or oh, it's not a gigantic one, but it's like, it's like a, a like good, nice size one. And there's morning yeah. trains, the morning commuters happening behind him. And when he walks up to that crime scene and, there's a whole bunch of other cops that are sort of like trying to maintain order and Ansel again, probably because he's like six foot nine or something like he's actually, actually yeah. I think six foot four, but he feels like gigantic in this scene from a distance. Mm-hmm. He just clocks categories, energy walking yep. into the scene and you know, the BDE of Ken Watanabe in every movie is like <laughs> strong, but like in this movie, particularly him walking in, glancing at things, having a look at it, there is just such like this wizened calm 
mm-hmm. and this like grizzled like awareness, like we're in the middle of some shit right now. And Ansel reads that and clocks that probably better than anyone at the beginning of that series, which is why he's so, which again creates, helps to sort of reinforce that conflict. Like, I don't understand how these people don't think it's a murder. I just watched the lead detective walk in and basically like the way that he monitored that scene. Um, and Jake Adelstein, the character he's playing, he, uh, the, his character background, which I think is so important to help underscore like why he can't understand murder. His dad is a medical examiner. His dad's like right. a coroner. So mm-hmm. all he does is see death and track it. And yes, this is murder. And he so he spent his whole life with a person living alongside a person, maybe going to work with a person, you know, all those sorts of things who all they do all day is like, go, oh, that's a murder. <laughs> oh, that's a, oh, that's right. a death, And it's know? like. The guy's got a katana in his chest. Like, how did it get there? Obviously, something didn't, like, accident. trip and fall over <laughs> it. fell on his pet katana. <laughs> He's taking it for a walk. Um, He's got, like, slashes all over his hands from defensive, defensive wounds. wounds. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it was a total accident. And you know what the other thing I was going to say is? This might be being me, me being cynical. You know how we, we only say only positive hot takes on all things Miami Vice. Oh, all things Miami yes. Vice. Is this time to... for a negative hot take? It's not a negative hot take okay. about, about this show, but it's just about how much different are the glut of movie news outlets with the way that they just report from PR campaigns? How much different are they than those reporters in the Macho sitting in a police press conference just riding the company line. I just want to ask, I'm just going to throw it out there. True that. In the, True spi- that. In the spirit of journalism, I want to <laughs> ask who is actually digging beneath. And we know there are great mm-hmm. investigative reporters in the entertainment game. And I feel like in the wake of the spin of the award season this year and all of the cataclysmic memeable things that have gone on. We're not even going to talk about it. Yep. No defense wounds on Chris Rock's hands. Um, but, <laughs> but Will Smith definitely had a katana in his chest by the end of the yeah. Academy Awards. Um, oh God. Uh, but it, it just feels like there is, there's something that's scratching, I think, in all different industries at the moment about what places tow a car, what, that we would like that we would like to have the cognitive distance to say that we are so far beyond that. And I think what Michael Mann is doing is sometimes by the hyper level of specificity that is in all of the work that he does, inadvertently it has these larger applications that you can look at life and go, you know what? Is our journalism that different? Is it that different? And I and I think in a post pandemic world and all those things, for me it it rings it cuts it cuts closer to the bone than I maybe think it even had intended that you know that that journalists are just there reading a party line or reading a PR line or reading a a, a police line in certain instances and 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 there is a weird cooperation that journalism and law enforcement have to have and a weird a weird quid pro quo so to speak to keep mm-hmm. your sources happy so it's very, very and the same and the same thing with entertainment journalists and publicists like we need them as much as they need us yes but it's like you need someone who's an outsider who fundamentally does not understand who's gonna just like blunder through making all of the gaffes and the mistakes and the you know like messing up all the time that 
who to to sort of rock the boat yes. and so jake is definitely kind of like goofy and makes a bunch of mistakes but he um is also the one who's going to be like wait why are we doing this like this like why why don't we ask questions why do we not call it a murder and you can see the way he kind of starts to inspire the Rinko Kikuchi character, who is his, his um, subcap or his sort of boss. And, you know, she's very like, no, write it like this. And she makes him like rewrite articles all the time. And she's like, say it like this. You know, she's following the party line. But you see in later episodes that she starts to get kind of excited by his train of thinking and his um his investigative instincts and she gets inspired because she's also you know subjugated in this world like she's they go out for drinks and she has to pour all the drinks for the men and she's a korean um you know national and and so she's got a lot of things against her and she's sort of suppressed all of them and now she's kind of she gets inspired to kind of dig deeper as well in her journalism and she can harness him like he's he's just all over the shop at the right. at the beginning of the series and she goes she can see that investigative intent and it's just like this is good and um the i i i i i'm gonna save so much of what i'm gonna say about rinko kikuchi's character because she's just so fantastic oh, yeah. and there's a whole episode yeah. coming later where she's right, right. like the, the key focus so it's like hard to i'm go getting ahead shit. of myself we're, we're both getting ahead of ourselves but it's okay because the, the, the series inspires that i think so you know we've we're focused very heavily on the Michael Mann director, JT Rogers. Yeah, the Michael Mann. First, yeah. first episode, The Test. There are so many other episodes. This is the only episode that Michael Mann directs. There are a, a mm -hmm. bunch of others. The next uh, uh, couple of episodes are Joseph Kubota, uh, Vicardia. Um, so there's a couple of others. And then we, we've got a, a few other directors, which we'll talk more about, and the writers of those episodes and those things. But mm -hmm. I, I just I just want to talk about I, – I, I like to – I used to call Michael Mann's – filmmaking style i wouldn't say that it was like i wouldn't say that he worked with a lot of method actors necessarily but i would say that he worked he works with a method in position he likes to impose a method and a preparation on everyone that works around him so for him you know living in japan for a year is par for the course this is how we create this show and we're going to do it with japanese actors and we're going to work with japanese dps and we're going to shoot on location as much as possible and we're going to everything about this show is immersion initiation. And I feel like that the first episode just typifies that outlook. But I just want to say like for anyone who has had any doubts about, you know, the, the casting of Ansel Elgort and why you would do it. I just want to say, and especially also, um, uh, Rachel Keller who plays Samantha, mm -hmm. who's who we haven't even really touched on yet, but I'm sure we will touch on in later episodes. Who's uh, she uh, comes in sort of at the end of this episode, very late in the episode, her and Sato are, uh, are interacting as a, as, as a hostess of a club in the, um, uh, in, in uh, the Kabukicho district. And she's there doing, uh, you know, hosting duties. And she's, she kind of knows her place in this kind of like, uh, in, in this weird, um, delightfully weird, I should say, like, you know, system of like going out, meeting these foreign women, having these like, not like escorts or partners, but just like a nice pretty girl to pour your drinks at a club for some reason that these businessmen and police have. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. 
It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Your Japanese is very good. Thank you. Why are you hanging out with cops? Because I'm a reporter for the Meicho. No. Really? Mm-hmm. An American. Well, what do you report on? Uh, I'm on the police beat. Mm. So, stories about guys like that? You never know. Really, what do you report on? You know, you never know who you're going to talk to, where you're going to go, what you're going to see. Every day is different. Is this what you wear to work every day? No, I... The paper's oh. got these strict <laughs> regulations on what you have to wear. I sort of wear a suit and tie and... Uh, so... I'm, I'm trying really hard to get it right. You know, to fit into their system, which... is mentally tyrannical. <laughs> which is not what I expected from a newspaper, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know how rigid corporate life can be. So why are you doing this? Well, I want to report on what really happens. That's it. <laughs> That's... And, you know... Maybe someday make a small piece of history. So is it going to work? So far, it seems like everything I've touched, I've screwed up. <laughs> but giving up and going home is not an option. You know what I mean? I know exactly what I mean. Where are you from? Saitama originally, but I've been in Tokyo for the past few years. Wait, but before that, where are you from? Well, that's a second bottle question, honey. See how this works is the more you buy, the more we talk. And the better you buy, the better I talk. But if there's no more buying, I don't have enough for a whole nother bottle. Well, that's a shame. See you another time? You know, probably like hostess culture in Japan is probably like the modern extension of like geisha culture. Yes. And it's, I would say, probably sex work adjacent. Yes. <laughs> um, it's not sex work, but it's it, it might become sex work. But it's, you know, it's just hanging out with guys and uh, buying drinks and, you know, having them buy drinks and you get sort of a commission from it and you hang out and you offer them your company, um, your flirtation, your whatever. Um, and it's a like sort of very well-established system in Japan. And, and uh, yeah, foreign women, you know, find their place there as well. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's... And I want to say the, po the Polish girl, Paulina. <laughs> yeah, she's so great. Ella Rump. That is 
Ella Rump from Raw, the yes. older sister from Raw, who I'm obsessed with. She's so good. Um, she's so good, and it's such a different role from from Raw, um, Julia Ducournau's film. But um, yeah, going that was just a side tangent. But yeah, it, but the I think you were gonna touch on the the fact that that Rachel and Ansel are both bilingual um, acting. Bi- bilingual acting to a level that can't be dismissed. Like right. incredible bilingual accent, intonation, effortless transitions to trans, you know, education. They call it translanguaging, the ability to, um, to switch back and forth. To switch back and forth, but switch back and forth with the intent of like you're telling, you're, you're, you're teaching someone something or you're telling a story. And so I would use translanguaging as the way that I would say it is like this show is a truly translanguage show because it does, it pivots the language based on the scenario, based on the people mm-hmm. who are around and does it without any kind of, there's, there's no hiccup. There's no, there's no speed bump. There's no, like, I have to reorient myself because obviously the, the, a, a true kind of Michael Manism is like, no, you're just going to catch up. Like they're going to speak in Japanese. Right. Then they're going to speak in English. Then Rinka Kikuchi is going to speak in Korean. This is what's happening. Catch up or just don't watch the show. And I, I love any right. show that is like catch up or don't watch this because right. that tells me that this might be a show for me. Um, and so right. I, I, when I see that and I'm watching them do this, I'm like, okay, this is, he's absolutely phenomenal. I couldn't believe, I couldn't believe his, I just could I couldn't believe it. He was so spectacular. I mean, every part of his performance, I think is really terrific, but the, the fact that he can translanguage along this entire series and, it, and he does it without, Without any without fun. even flinching, no yes. Flinch. And I, we, I will say this about Ansel: I'm not his biggest fan, and I was very skeptical about the casting. But I think Ansel is best when he. I, I love his physicality. Like yes. he's got a very. He's a dancer. He's a musician. Like he has a. And he's very tall, and he has a great physicality. I, I think one of my other favorite performances of his is Baby Driver, mm. where he's just in motion the whole time, and I, I think that. Michael Mann uses his physicality so well, especially in the first half of this episode where he's not really talking that much, but he it's the sequence where we're just seeing him in motion in Japan, how he's an outsider. And it's not even just that his height or the way that he looks that makes him an outsider. It's also sort of like his loose limbed um, yeah, he's body got, he's, language. Yeah, he's like you know, gi- gigantic proportions. He's so yeah. like, long and live and yeah, he's funny. And in the test you see just how different he is from all of the other um people taking this test because he's stretching he's kind of like you know playing with his hair and everyone else is very sort of like rigid and sitting at the desk and you see just like this guy's different he's an outsider he's from a different place and um he it's just all told through physicality and body language and and visual storytelling which i just think is so beautifully done and with such efficiency in like the first 10 minutes of this episode you get like this this opening episode is like 58 minutes 57 minutes something along those lines we spend maybe I don't know, like 45 minutes of it is this entire introduction to Jake, introduction to his perspective of the world, introduction to him participating in the test, conducting his interviews, getting in at the Matro, seeing this crime scene unfold, all these incredible things. And then it really, for me, started to elevate when we started to see show uh, Kazumatsu Sato be truly introduced as a parallel character in this because he is the young, um, the young up and coming 
uh, Yakuza officer. We meet him at this night spot um, uh, uh, at this uh, at this beautiful um, hostess lounge, and he catches Jake's eye preliminarily because he peeks over and sees the glad. You know, for anyone who's have a, had a tattoo, he peeks the glad wrap that's peeking out from underneath his beautiful collared shirt. He's like tailored shirt and sees the blood coming down yeah. his wrist. And in Japanese culture, obviously, um, Yakuza and tattoos are synonymous. So him sort of catching that glimpse and and having that bit of like awkward, I don't know if I can talk about this. Oh, did you get that in the old way? Like this is a guy who's a bit of a Japanese, you know, a, a Japanophile, a bit of a nerd. So he's like asking the question awkwardly and not realizing that he's maybe um, stepping over the line as far as decorum right. and, and what is right to say and politeness. But uh, but that then parallel thing of Sato, this guy who is has an immediate tension and has an immediate discomfort with the fact that he's on this trajectory. Like he just feels immediately from the moment you see him, there's just something about the intensity of his eyes and his ability to just have so much going on and watching his wheels spin while he's just this guy at the absolute bottom of the totem pole and seeing how how moved he is by the final, um, by this uh, final sake ceremony and seeing how moved he is and seeing how into it he is. It just feels... Um, it feels extremely, extremely special um, that that the, the series awakens and at the end, it's not just a show about Jake. It's a show about five or six characters who are all going to go on this journey like adjacent to Jake on this um, series. And I think as every episode opens up, every episode has a new, almost like a new focus. And Jake is absolutely the anchor of the show and he's the, the, the lead. But these other characters and the, the way that they interweave with him are so essential. And so for me, as as he blooms into this series and you see his reverence with this ceremony and then the like absolute darkness of like the final moments where you see the effects of the Yakuza and what like triggers Jake's um, uh, like investigation right from the outset, which is a horrendous... Uh, suicide um, uh, by mm-hmm. um, setting oneself on fire uh, in the middle of a Japanese street. I, I just was like, I was already all in on this show, but right. uh, towards the end, I was like, no, I'm even the fact that the world is going to broaden beyond just the outsider's perspective and get us on to an insider perspective. It just feels like that, that great, that tension of these multiple characters who are on these different levels and are on these different levels of understanding and experience. I was like, I'm, I'm all in. I like this a lot. Blake, I have a question for you. Was there one like moment watching the episode where you were just like, like you, we were already all in like from like (laughs) before we even watched it. But like, was there a moment where you, like you got your little like Michael Mann zing of like, oh yeah, this is working for me. It's, It's really hard to say. It's a really like, because I'm just about to let Zodiac go. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've held, I've clutched onto it for so long because I, I almost don't want to let it go. Um, but the, the, the convergence of that newsroom and then that police mm. room together, I'm like, yeah, is every, like talk about like, you know how people like put RTY, uh, um, RTYI on Twitter, like in all caps, like relevant to your interests mm-hmm. that it almost felt like the screen <laughs> implicitly just fucking highlighted relevant to your interest Blake Howard while, so like, while those <laughs> th- scenes happening I'm like yes like order the, the sort of chaotic order of a, a of a newsroom with this like pursuit to truth but also being locked in 
this lockstep with the systems that are already working. And I think that I was just like, as much as we want to say that it's different, I was like, no, it's not. This is exactly right. the same tension that I've, that it has been explored in a number of the texts that we've covered, you know, as a person who did all the president's men and now is doing my advice and has done Zodiac. I'm just like, these are all the things that I, these are all the cinematic things and all the moral quandaries um, that I love to explore. And so I was just like, this could not be more for me in those two moments. And then of course, in that true kind of, you know, Vincent Hanna pointing and, uh, and, and, and Bosco, Ted Levine's character, bang, 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 bang. Like as soon as Ken Watanabe walks to that crime scene, I'm like, these are all the things I love. These are all the <laughs> things I love together. And, um, and so, yeah, I was extremely impressed. Like those couple of scenes, I was just like, oh, this is, you know, there's no other director that I think could tie all these themes together and set the visual template and the palette for what we're going to cover and like set the, the bar, like the bar is set in that first episode. This is how, this is how we're going to use language. This is how we're going to use visuals. This is how we're going to, you know, shoot action. This is how we're going to immerse our characters in. This is how we want the people to feel for the rest of the show. And I, I was just like those couple of scenes. I was like, that's enough. They're basically wordless scenes. And it just really shows off Michael Mann's like visual storytelling and him trying to push the medium um, mm -hmm. as far as he can and rail against what, you know, you know, just using visuals. To, to kind of like set how we're going to feel about this character and about the show. And I was like, these are, these are my absolute moments of the episode. I love that. And that like your, like, I don't know what the word is. Like your thing is like panning <laughs> shots across a newsroom. <laughs> Any movie that pans across a newsroom or tracks across a newsroom, Blake is like, I am in. No, but also it's not just the newsroom. No, I know. I know. It, I, I like it. You're speaking so beautifully about how it's like tied together with the with the police. I, no, I mean, no, I'm I, flattening I, I, it. No, no, no. I mean, like, what is nice is, and this is no slide on the post, which I don't hate, but the post doesn't feel like it's a newsroom. It feels like it's a set that has been designed mm -hmm. as a newsroom that has no depth. And I think right. what's so cool about this show is that it, there's so much depth. Like that. Oh scene, my god. With Ansel, he's like 150 meters away from the crime scene. He's staring through chicken wire fences. And in between him, there are like 30 cop cars, ambulances, whatever. He's peering over to a bridge that's been cordoned off by hundreds of police officers or like 50 police officers. There's a, like the crew of the mate show, like where they're meant to stand waiting at the end for their press release from the police or look for information. And then there's Ansel who's standing away and you're looking to this like vista of like this beautiful little landscape portrait of this very specific segment of Tokyo. And then off in that like, like far, almost like background is like Ken Watanabe's like, like inimitable figure that is there. And that, I think that mm -hmm. that's a, what I love about that scene. But I also love that about the, the newsrooms feel like a newsroom. Like they've gone to painstaking detail to either redress an existing newsroom or like basically do the research and like, recreate an entire newsroom and it feels like a mass it feels like those newsrooms in like whether it's superman like even in richard donna's superman the daily planet has a newsroom right like what's so right. annoying and so annoying in so many contemporary things is how confined it is they just try and give you a shorthand of stuff right and like it just feels so gross. No, you want the scope you want the scope and like the production design i mean yes. the fact that they've recreated 1999 tokyo to the detail that they have is insane exteriors interiors i mean that newsroom is packed 
with small details and texture. Those weird word processes. I was like, oh my God, my mom had a word process that looked like that. Obviously not with Japanese keys, um, with Japanese characters, but um, like, but yeah, it's all about process. It's like the typing, the printing, the editing, the way that they, like, they give that all to you. Yes. um, In that. And, and that's just so beautifully done and richly textured. And I feel like we don't, we don't get that enough. No. Can I tell you my moment when no, I was gonna, like... I was just about to say, tell me your moment that you had. <laughs> okay, it's a needle drop. Of course it is. I know, I know this. I know this. It's Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. <laughs> also, one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs. And it like, it's like, it starts out diegetic. Like, I think, is it on the radio? I don't know. It comes yeah. in kind of uh, low and then, you know, builds. And I was just like, yes, Pearl Jam. We're in 1999 and this is like this and I've, is so heard, good. I've heard a couple of people tweet about it and stuff like that and yeah. go oh my god Michael Mann with the Pearl Jam needle drop like how much is that sucking you're like no he's actually like he's picking straight out of 99 like I don't know anyone I, I mean my I remember my brother was like one of those Pearl Jam fans who would buy they, they were releasing I don't know if they release them a lot in the states and i have to assume so but they were releasing like live albums all the time i don't know if you had a subscription yeah. service something like that they'd like do a live album of this show and this show and this show my brother had like 20 live albums like yeah. of pearl jam like all this and so i'm like no this is like so deep and then they've it, got some ba- they've got some boy band stuff in the background oh that god comes there's in later series We've there's got, such good um song selections my other favorite one is um Rachel Keller singing Sweet Child of Mine karaoke. Yes, so good. <laughs> and and that's in the in a pilot episode as well. I mean, I just love those two songs so much. So I was just like, this is really rooting me. As much as, you know, we are being rooted in a place in time through the production design and the and the character work and, and the detail, the richness that we're talking about in the newsroom especially, but just all over Japan. Like the songs are for sure rooting us in a place in time as well. And so I really appreciate that. Like, it's not gonna, it's gonna be something that's like maybe a little bit cheesy, but it's 1999. <laughs> and listen, it, as we go back to movies like Collateral and we can hear an audio slave needle drop, like that is the thing that makes it, oh, what year was this? 2004? Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it yeah. makes the most sense in the world that this is what we're hearing right now. It's like, and also even with Heat, like Moby being in a, a 1995 movie, it fucking makes sense. Like it just makes yeah. sense. Like I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. But no, I, I knew you would love that Pearl Jam needle drop. I wrote <laughs> yeah. down Pearl Jam with like six e- exclamation marks because I'm uh, a huge PJ head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, look, we we love you, Pearl Jam, and all you PJ heads and Edward Vedwood. We uh, very much like you as well. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, but look, this has been our first episode of Tokyo Nice, our mini series. We're going to cover the whole series. This episode. Um, is much more extensively covering the first Michael Mann thing. And um, I'm sure we might talk to some other folks and guests along the way in this little like bonus mini series as part of our show. But we had to kind of dive a little bit deeper on the Michael Mann of it all because it is so great. There are some terrific other episodes coming up. It doesn't really lose too much steam. In fact, it gains it in a couple of these um, series episodes when especially you dive on with, uh, you know, Rika Kikuchi's character when you see Ella Rumpf um, return and get a little bit more time. She has yep. one of the highlight episode, uh, highlight uh, lines of the entire series for me. <laughs> um, and the more that we see Sato and we see, you know, the the, yeah. the, yuck, the yuckers of violence escalating. There's a couple of phenomenal episodes um, coming up. So we'll we'll cover everything off um, this series. 
began in the States, um, really, uh, or began officially in the States on the 7th of April. It finishes and concludes um, completely with its final eighth episode on the 28th um, of April. So um, when that finishes, we'll be wrapping the series up, but we'll just be having probably a couple of episodes, I think, uh, per per every episode that we have. We may have some special guests on the horizon. Hopefully we can make that happen. Hopefully, Um, yes. But uh, no, this is a terrific show. Like uh, it's, I've had so much fun watching it and um, I've watched, uh, Katie and I have both watched, you know, four or five episodes each. I've gone back and watched the the pilot episode a couple of times and I'll, I'll look forward to to getting it on some physical media so that I can watch Michael Mann on a much Oh my God. Time. It's just such a treat. I mean, he, it seems like he's having fun because it's directed beautifully and it's just like, it's such a treat to see him directing again, you know, post Black Hat because it's been, what, seven years or something? Yes, it's been a while. It's been but a while. I'm like, he's having fun. He's doing his thing. <laughs> and it's if there's one thing that's nice about contemporary TV, they seem to have the money. They've yep. got the money and the dedication. They're like, all right, we're going to make this show. It's going to be a year in Tokyo. We're going to do it. We're going to invest in it. It's like, this is what I've been saying for such a long time. When are one of these streaming services just going to give Michael Mann money to go get him to go make some stuff? Because surely there's enough proof in the pudding that if people are even out there watching blackout not even the directors cut of blackout mind you katie but the, <laughs> the people out there watching blackout on netflix and blowing people it up are watching the-, the crappy cut on netflix <laughs> um they're not even coming yeah. to our secret uh streaming sessions of the director's cut um <laughs> by the way i just also want to shout out the beautiful steady cam work in the pilot ambulance dp roberto de angelis yes is the steady cam mob look so at that. Look, what, anyway. what, a, what a pairing. Ambulance, <laughs> go to the th- theater, see Ambulance, come home, watch the first episode of Tokyo Vice, The Test, and you're going to see two wildly different applications of the great, <laughs> the great paintbrush that is, <laughs> that is Angelus on the deep. Totally. And uh, then listen to our episodes, our Ambulance episode and our Tokyo Nice episode. That's it. You've done it. We've programmed it for you. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Miami Nice. Thank you for listening to this special series, Tokyo Nice. We're going to come back and catch you on another series. And by the time we come back, I think Katie and I are going to both try to do our entire introductions and outros in Japanese. I'm just going to put it out there. (laughs) (laughs) You just sprang this on me. (laughs) I wanted to spring that on Katie to see the look on her face. We're, oh we've damn! Got, we've got some work on Google Translate hi, to hi hi hi. We've got some work on Google Translate to do before then, but we'll catch right. you on another episode. Soon. Be on catch me on YouTube <laughs> learning my YouTube tutorials. <laughs> <laughs>
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.